Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. With the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. This is a show about faith and finances, and I am D.C. Marshall, and he is... Alfred Edmund Jr. And today, we are talking about who will preserve our history. Yes, who will preserve our history? This is really an important topic and an important time in history where in this country, uh, if you're listening and you are in the United States, that's what I'm talking about. There is an effort to cancel our history. And so today's show is so very timely. We have an amazing lineup. I think this is the heftiest of all lineups that we've ever had. We have four guests who are going to join us. And you have to, we're not going to tell you in the first segment, you've got to come back the next segment so you can meet our guests. And they are the women who are going to preserve our history. You know, Alfred, what do you think about um, this this show, this topic in this time? Well, we're going to give you one hint, everybody. It's Black women in radio. And part of preserving our histories is celebrating our voices. And you're going to hear some voices that are very important. Dee, this is important to me because I spent much of my career doing radio beginning in college. Um, and, and so this idea of, of preserving our history and telling our stories is critical. So you're right. This is one of the heftiest lineups we ever have for Be Lifted Up Radio. You guys are in for a treat. We are talking about and answering the question, who will preserve our history? Well, we know in one case, we have an answer because of an amazing historic event that's happening in radio. Now, I'm passionate about radio because while people mostly know me for my career in magazines, including 13 years as editor-in-chief of Black Enterprise and my career doing you know, different television segments such as um, MSNBC's Your Business, and, but many people, or maybe many of you are, are aware that I've spent a, much of my own career in radio. And so it's exciting for me to hear about Black women in radio last month on April 28th in the Radio Preservation Task Force of the Library of Congress joined forces to launch a new sound and oral history project for the first time, first time in American history, Black women are not only being recognized, but they're being included in archival history. How? Through the legends, the evolution and legacy of Black radio culture led by BWIR, Black Women in Radio founder, Felicia Love. So today, you know, we're going to have a great conversation because we have with us Felicia Love, founder of Black Women in Radio, the BWIR Historic Society. We have Mira Evans, radio veteran, station owner, uh, and we also have radio journalist Carol Carper. 
And later we'll be joined by Jackie Gales Webb, another radio veteran who hosts a gospel show, including on WHUR in DC. Ladies, I am so excited. Let me talk to you. First of all, some of my favorite people in radio are ladies. I was the first host of the Urban Business Roundtable on WBON's AM Chicago for, for nearly three years. Um, thanks to my good friend, Melody Span Cooper. Um, I was a, a financial contributor for the Doug Banks show. I still miss my good friend, the late Doug Banks, but I got to be very good friends with Dee Dee McGuire. Um, and, uh, you know, there's Perry Smalls, who has the show on WBON. So I'm in, I am down for Black Women in Radio. So it is just a great honor for me and Dee to have you guys on talking about this, this great, just valuable, valuable effort to preserve our history and to celebrate the contributions that Black women um, have made and continue to make to radio. Felicia, why don't you, we jump right in with you? What was the genesis of this whole thing? Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I am delighted to have an opportunity to meet you. I am a fellow Chicagoan as well. I tell most people I was born in Chicago, raised in St. Louis and seasoned in Atlanta. So most of my career, uh, radio career has happened uh, here in Atlanta. Um, I'm a radio veteran, uh, mostly, uh, you know, talent. Um, I did, you know, a few public fair shows and things like that. But, you know, as well as I do, the industry is on and off. It, for some, it's continuous and that's great. I just had a conversation with Wendy Williams, not the other Wendy Williams in New York, but the Wendy Williams in Atlanta here who has been on WCLK for 30 years. Wow. You know, so that when you hear about that, you just want to celebrate. But my career had been on and off. And fast forward, I um, had an opportunity to work with an organization, um, the um, Hall of Fame organization, not the Hall of Fame, but a Hall of Fame organization. And there was a lot of conversation about, you know, who's who and um, who's up next. And, you know, and I kept sitting there in the board meeting going, where are the women? Where are the women? There's got to be more than two, five women. <laughs> <laughs> and so I set off to do some research, um, beginning with the hashtag Black Women in Radio, and it just exploded. Wow. Wow. Gee. You, you, you know what it take let me tell you something it I was I was here for it. It takes a black woman being in the room. And, you know, it's giving, okay, something is wrong with this picture that there are not enough. And what we're not going to do is sit here and pretend that this is okay. So my sister, let me tell you something, you are necessary and God put you there. And I'm grateful for uh, just the movement and, and, you know, the recognition and the spotlight that you all are getting in the season. It was necessary and it was past due. So, so kudos to you. Yeah, uh, and okay. I think for our listeners, you're already teaching a lesson in your life do not sit by and allow we're not going to normalize and pretend that okay this this room is not reflective of either us our contribution our genius we're just not going to do that so so i'm so grateful to have this conversation with you oh thank you and you you hit the nail on the head it's exactly like that so when we do have a place at the table i remember uh, michelle Obama, our forever first lady saying, you know, 
when you have a seat at the table, don't just sit there, <laughs> you know, don't just sit there, get to work. It's not enough to have a seat at the table. You have actually have to have some action behind having an opportunity to be in those spaces. So yes. And, and, you know, it takes a lot of bravery to step forward and say, I'm going to do something different because of course you get a crab in the barrel mentality from people that you are pretty surprised that would have that uh, reaction. But as a leader, you, you have to just keep going and just believe in the mission. Muta, I'm really, really um, honored to have you on the show. I know we both are DNI because at Black Enterprise, the idea of ownership, media ownership is close to our hearts. Um, our late founder, Earl Graves, owns the radio stations in Texas. Once upon a time, um, I got to be you know, good friends with Melody Span Cooper, who was um, WVON in Chicago. And, and so the idea of media ownership is just so very important. And also I knew the inner city broadcasting family, the Suttons, when they had um, WBLS and LIB in New York. Talk to me about what, it, what your journey was about to become an owner in this space, especially when you did. Thank you, Alfred. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with uh, you and, uh, and Dee today. Actually, that was not my ultimate goal. It was to be in, in radio. Actually, my original goal was to, be, to do television news. Coming from a small town uh, in the eastern part of North Carolina, when I had the, and in college, I could not do any television work until my senior year. So for me, it was about cutting my teeth about radio early on and to learn as much about the business in terms as a talent, news, producing, you, you name it. And I started working at WAAA while I was still a student. When I graduated, I was looking to go elsewhere to leave Winston-Salem. And the owner at the time said to me, uh, he wanted to keep me on, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. But he also said, uh, having gotten to know me, he says, if and when I decide to sell the station, you'll have first rights of refusal. Well, that was just rhetoric. Uh, that, as I said, I was way too young. I didn't have that kind of money. I knew it cost lots and lots of money. How am I going to make this happen? Uh, but he wanted to keep me as an employee. And so I accepted the challenge, certainly not expecting that he would decide to sell the station as soon as he did. But he was a man of his word. Uh, we fought um, you know, and we haggled over what that meant and how it could happen. I said to him, I said, you know, uh, you're my first real employer in the business. You know what you pay me. So, you know, there's no way that I can buy the station flat out. So, you know, I got a good attorney. He had his and we went back and forth with it. But as uh, you know, before I, I, I owned it, I was also his executive vice president and I served as general manager. And so I had experience uh, in sales. I did some voice work uh, as well in terms of production. So, and, and being very, very involved in the community. Uh, AAA Radio was first went on the air in 1950. It was the third black program station in the country. And as a result of that, I took tremendous pride in what its legacy had been. It had always been black program and serving that community. Well, I, I accepted his challenge mm. and I started doing the research, making contacts, how do I go about doing this? And of course, everyone knows you can't purchase without having money. I, I didn't come from a rich family. So it went about trying to find 
our resources. One of the things that was going on then was that the SBA was willing to fund some money, but that too was not enough. And I, I reached out to a Black-owned bank, Greensboro National Bank in Greensboro, and they helped me with uh, the initial loan, uh, the seed money. And of course, I was uh, my parents supported me from the standpoint of providing um, leverage, financial backing, not the money, but in terms of uh, some property that would guarantee that initial loan. And uh, after going through lots of hoops and doing more research and negotiating and saying, uh, let's make it a, pre uh, a price uh, that I won't be mortared down with the rest of my life, regardless of how it goes. Uh, the prior owner, Robert B. Brown, uh, as I said, white man, but the station had always been black formatted. Um, we all eye to eye. And, uh, and, and that was the beginning of the journey, uh, officially approved uh, October 31st, 1979. Our Dorothy Brunson's application was approved two days before mine. So we were the first black women in the country. Uh, and I became the first black, and to my knowledge, still am, at 26 to become a radio station owner in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. WAAA, which had always been black formatted, serving the black community. All right. Oh my goodness. You know, I was just going to ask the year. Um, I, I have so much respect for your story and, and the journey, uh, Muter. In fact, because what it says is if you could do that in 1979, right, given the climate and given the journey and the struggle of our people and systems not necessarily set up, to see us win, but but you had the favor. Um, I feel like the favor and and the trust of your employer um, and just so many things working for you. When I heard you say SBA, I'm like, wait a minute. Now, you know, um, we know the SBA today and and even the struggles of, of access to capital. Like, I mean, I'm salivating over the entire story of in 1979, you went to a bank to get some money and the SBA backed and supported in 1979. Um, it's just a powerful story. It's so encouraging. And so I thank you. I thank you so much. Were you going to say something before we moved on? Yeah, I, I just want the initial loan was through the Greensboro National Bank, SBA guaranteed a traditional bank. So they didn't loan it straight out. There was another wow. local bank that I went to um, that did the, the the balance of the financing, mm -hmm. but with the support of the SBA guarantee. Got it. Got it. Well, thank you. Thank you. All thank right. You. So listen, Yes. No, this is, this is, it's all encouraging and it's, you know, classes in session. So we are talking about who will preserve our history um, on, on the show, Black Women in Radio. And uh, we've heard from Felicia Love, Muter Evans, and now we have Carol. We're going to bring Carol into this conversation, Carol Carper and Jackie Gales Webb. And for those of you who may not know, Carol Carper, radio veteran, journalist, uh, KGFJ, you may know, uh, KUTE, you may know, uh, K-Day, Los Angeles, you may know. And then Jackie Gales Webb, also radio veteran, gospel show, you may know her from WHUR, DC, and 
CBP, we are going to talk to both of you. We're watching our time. We're probably going to have to go to a break in just a minute, but I want to bring you ladies in. Um, welcome to the show. And and it, whatever you want to share, let's start with you. I think um, Carol has been here for a minute or um, yep, I think you've been here for a minute, Carol. Let's go over to you about your your story. Oh, my story is simple enough. I I don't think I really thought about uh, radio as a career. It actually happened in college when by chance at Fisk University, they bought Bobby Bass and Eric Bass. Their family ran WCHB in Detroit. Well, they made a deal with them. Hey, you set up our college radio station. You guys can go to school here. So that's really how I got into radio because Bobby Bass made me believe that. Otherwise, I was more interested in like politics. Like my my hero at the time was Shirley Chisholm, the little yeah. black woman that could. I mean, she put it on my mind. I could be president. And we're That's talking long before Barack Obama. And then the other lady I looked up to was uh, Texas Representative Barbara Jordan. Come I just on. found. I've just found just strength and power in their words. So when I came in the radio, I wasn't playing records. I was trying to do news, community service, let the radio station reflect the community because that's how I was taught it was supposed to be. Wow. Wow. Well, Shirley Chisholm was on the original board of advisors for Black Enterprise. So she's almost like a a patron saint for us. (laughs) I can understand. I can understand. And, and then I, had, I looked up, too, because I was able to work with inner city broadcasting when they brought the uh, Los Angeles properties. In fact, you know, that's so important to our stories because we can't sit around and wait for other people to put us as news directors. It's us that needs to do that. I mean, St. Louis. Yeah, I was the first black news director, but inner city made me first black news director in Los Angeles, which I'm sorry to say, there is still not a black woman news director on radio out here now. And wow. we're talking about 19, what, 82, 83, yeah. So, you know, we need to be able to tell our own stories, which is what made Felicia's effort with the uh, Black Women Radio Project so significant. And I was working in radio when Mooter bought those stations. I told her at the conference, she was such an inspiration to me at that time, too, because I was aware of Dorothy Brunson's efforts and Mooter's efforts. And, and she was a young woman, young woman like myself. And, you know, they help underscore don't have boundaries. You know, you can do anything. Just keep moving it forward. And it was such a pleasure to see her again after all these years. Jackie, what about your experience and your story? Congratulations to all of you. Um, obviously, Felicia for, for pushing this and making this happen, but all of you as, as uh, part of the inaugural 39, I believe you guys are called, <laughs> that's laying the groundwork for, for future generations um, to, to be drawn to this industry, particularly Black women. But, you know, Jackie, talk about your experience and your story. Well, let me first say hello to everybody. And I also want to say what a joy it was to see Mooter. She was featured in the radio documentary that uh, I produced along with Professor Sonia Williams from Howard University and Lex Gillespie called Black Radio, Telling It Like It Was, hosted by the one and only Lou Rawls. And Mooter told her story in a whole program that we did called In Control, all about the women in, in in radio that have gone on 
to purchase radio stations. We also did another entire program about uh, women in radio that inspired us with their on-air talent and their beauty. And in Muter's uh, episode, we looked at uh, so many people like Kathy Hughes, who um, she actually brought me from Boston to Washington, D.C. to start a new radio station, an AM station, uh, where she was general manager. Uh, she actually went on in history to actually purchase that little AM station, WYCB. But Kathy, I was just so pleased to recently see the article about uh, Kathy and her handsome and intelligent and smart young son, Urban One, earlier invested $40 million in MGM National Harbor. And they recently cashed out, they changed that $40 million, it turned into $141 million when they cashed out. And they have plans to have their own casino in Richmond. And they also have um, taken ownership of a country Western station, I believe in Houston, and, and also a rock station somewhere yeah. else. So they're diversifying uh, their content to not only do urban, but to do other more lucrative genres of music. And, and Jackie, Gales, Jackie Gales Webb, we will hold you right there. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. It's Be Lifted Up. And we're back. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. So excited about today's conversation. Um, an important conversation. It's about our history. It's about Black history. And actually, it's American history. Who will preserve our history? Black women in radio. We're here with Felicia Love, Carol Carper, Mooder. Evans, Jackie Gales Webb, and we're super excited about stories that have not been told about the power of Black women um, way back when and then Black women today. So Jackie, you were sharing a bit about your story and all I heard was Kathy Hughes and they converted that, they flipped a 40 million into 141 million and country radio. So pick up there where you left off. She's a very large part of the story. But I also want to share about the radio documentary back in 1995-96 that went and won a Peabody Award. It was hosted by Lou Rawls. It was called Black Radio Telling It Like It Was. And it was aired over 300 public radio stations across the country. Don't forget about public radio. Commercial's great, but there's also an awful lot of African-Americans working very hard in public radio and I happen to be the vice president of radio for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, CPB. But the documentary showed that Black radio was not only popular with African-Americans, it was popular with everyone. It kind of mirrored what was going on with Black culture as far as the civil rights movement, ownership. There were so many things that happened along the line with Black radio. But but my story is, you, you asked me about my story. I grew up listening uh, to Frankie Crocker and Lamar Renee and Vi Higginson that Frankie brought on to WBLS, uh, Alma John, who was on before them on the AM station in New York. I went to college because I was so inspired by my radio heroes at Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts and studied communications there. I was on air on one of the first and finest rock stations in Boston, WBCN, 
And then, as I said earlier, I, I heard about this new uh, organization of black business people that were starting a radio station in Washington, D.C., and they had hired Kathy Liggins at the time, who is now Kathy Hughes, to be their general manager. And that's what brought me to Washington, D.C. I worked in television for many years. I received six local Emmys for my work in at the CBS affiliate in Washington, D.C. And uh, I was approached by WHUR's general manager about coming to do a program that would complement the award-winning and highly popular gospel program in the mornings on Sunday, because WHUR is a is licensed by Howard University, and but it's commercial, and it makes a lot of money for Howard University. The star was Patrick Ellis, and he had been a tradition there at Howard University, and they asked me to come on and compliment his program in the afternoon, and I said, sure. And so that's turned into 33 years doing gospel programming on Howard University's WHUR, and it still is within the top five radio stations in the Washington, D.C. market. You know, Felicia, I, I want to swing it back to you because obviously we have these amazing powerhouse um, women that, that we have the honor of hosting on Be Lifted Up. But, you know, I'm looking at some of the other people in, in this, this inaugural group, um, Diana Williams, who I think the world of, Ann Tripp, who's, I mean, Ann Tripp is just amazing. She's a force of nature. Um, no doubt. Pat Prescott, who I've known for a very yeah. long time uh, at WBGO. Talk to me about what it meant to, in the process of identifying this first cohort, this inaugural um, group of women who are really setting the tone and, and setting the pace for the generations of, in, of inductees that may follow. Well, I, having been in the industry um, since I graduated from college, I'm about to tell my age, um, <laughs> Um, 86 is when I, I moved away from St. Louis and got my first radio job, a commercial radio job in Erlanger, Kentucky. I used to ask myself many days when I woke up in the morning, what in the world am I doing in Erlanger, Kentucky? <laughs> you guys remember WKRP in Cincinnati. It's kind of felt like that. But um, just being in the industry, I landed in Atlanta where Jack the Rapper was all the rage had an opportunity to work in five different morning shows here in Atlanta. And I've met a lot of people, but that was before social media. So along with my experience, and I'm a techie at heart, doing some research on social media, I just put two and two together. And I thought, you know what, it would be great to have a collection that's not necessarily who's who, while that's extraordinarily important. But what about the other folks? You know, I kind of wanted to have a, a nice tapestry of what it might be like for an African-American woman in this country um, and have her story told. So I have a combination of the who's who, the uh, Olivia Foxes and uh, Michelle Wright and Frankie Darcel and Keisha Monk and, I mean, Jasmine Sanders, Angela Stribling, the list goes on. Um, but I also have people who are um, icons or notables in their region or locally. 
So while it's next to impossible to document every single person, I thought that at the very least, upon watching or you know checking out these uh, oral histories, we have uh, 150 hours of oral histories wow. between the 39 women and um, you know their their photographs and and all of that. Somewhat, they would be able to connect with. Wow, that aligns with my story. So it, it was really important to me not to just do who we all know. I wanted to educate America in you know what it's like for someone in a um, local area to be a champion in their community. Because there's one thing we did some research. Uh, researched 200 professional. Uh, black women broadcasters. And among those, uh, 98% came back um, saying that they view their job and or chose their job in radio based on being able to be a service of community. Huge. So money wasn't at the top, although very important. (laughs) It was being of service, showing, being able to be a part of something greater than themselves. And I, you know, you wouldn't be able to tap into that necessarily if you did not include some of the other people who, you know, make radio rich in their, in their local communities. You know, we still have a little time, but I do not want us to get tight on time before we let everybody know how can they experience this project? How, how can... What, what do our audience, does our audience need to do to experience this for themselves? Well, we have been blessed to partner with the Library of Congress, the Radio Preservation Task Force. And we also have a partnership with the Atlanta University Center Robert Woodruff Library, which is the library that, um, you know, takes care of Spelman Morehouse and Clark Atlanta University here in Atlanta. They are the managing um, library for the Black Women in Radio National Historic Collection and the Legends Collection. So those are two separate collections I'm working on. And these beautiful women that are on this panel are part of one or both of the collections. And I'll have to explain that later. But www.blackwomeninradio.com, you can um, get a lot of information about what we do and where the collection is. You know, Dee is my stand on this show for amazing black women. So I, I, I got to let you know you're in good company, Dee. And I'm sure you know that already. But but, but what is, as a, as a woman, Dee, my friend, my co-host, who serves, who is also driven by service, um, but in particular serves high achieving, groundbreaking, leading black women. I mean, this has to be like a, a major, major thing for you. It is, uh, you know, because I'm big on service and I'm big on telling the story and giving people their flowers because too many people forget um, and believe that, you know, when we arrive, that we did something that we created without building on the past. So I'm so honored and delighted. I think actually, um, I will say this, Felicia, the time was now because we're seeing a shift in audio and how we consume. And so if the story was not told, it would have wiped out some, if we talk about Gen Z, they would completely forget if the method and the medium has 
converted completely to um, whether it's short form, whether it's podcasting, it could have been eliminated. So I think if there's any form of audio or journalism that exists in various forms and new formats right now, particularly for Black folks, um, I want to say it is as a result of what so many have done before us, like the women here on the show. So um, we want to go back into this last segment and and we want to really honor you um, and honor what is the conversation? What is the question that we need to ask you that we don't know to ask, right? We're talking about um, you know, <laughs> preserving our history. We're talking about a time when people are trying to cancel our history. We didn't even go there. They're trying to cancel our history. We need to tell the history. We want to honor you, lift you, support you. Um, so, so whoever wants to jump in first, Can I just jump in first? Because I know there's a lot to be said. So I'll just say it very quickly. I just always remember what uh, Martha Jean, the Queen Steinberg, a legend of radio in Detroit, told me. She said, to be a black woman in radio, you need to think like a man, act like a lady and work like a dog. And I want to give all of my respect to Felicia for the wonderful work she's done and is doing in preserving the voices in the history of these women. And I want to let everybody know that the Black radio series we did, we interviewed over 100 African-American professionals in radio, and all of the raw materials are archived at Indiana University Bloomington. Uh, the archives of African-American history and culture, if you want to study it. So far, about three or four books have been written using that material. So that was a great honor to actually honor those who many of them aren't with us anymore. Mm -hmm. So Felicia, thank you so much. And Dee and Alfred and everyone for what you're doing. Absolutely. And I have to say, if you have a moment, you must check out that collection. Because in my research, that was one of the first collections I laid eyes on, thoroughly done, beautifully done, lots of information. You do get to hear the voices of these personalities from from, um, this collection. And I really wanted uh, Dr. Gales Webb to be a part of this collection. So when I saw her at the conference, I think I gushed. I was like, oh my God, you need to be a part of this Legends collection. You have to be because you were connected, you know, in the way of the importance of this work. And so she did uh, consent to be a part of the Legends um, collection that we have. So that's a combination of not just radio personalities, but the fabric of mm-hmm. radio culture. So mm-hmm. we're tapping into everything from music to um, curators and so forth. So this is going to be a really rich collection. I can't believe it even bigger than Black Women in Radio, if that, if that is at all possible. We were actually at the White House last Friday. We were invited to the White House by mm-hmm. the first African-American press secretary of the United States, right? Nice. Oh, it was it was incredible. Uh-huh. Kareem um, Jean-Pierre. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Carol, I, I, I want to jump back to you because uh, to me, what, what the importance of this effort and, and these efforts, because it's more than one, is not just about documenting and honoring the past, but it's also about inspiring the future. And the reason that means something to me, because um, my first radio experience was also as an undergraduate. Um, at Rutgers University, there was a show called Black Expression. 
and and it's you know obviously it's a PWI, it's not a HBCU, but it was like one of the few centers of culture where black students had a voice both creatively and journalistically. And the only reason I got recruited is because I have a deep voice. <laughs> I had this voice since I was 11. And it was like, oh, we need you. And, and I'm like, I don't know anything about radio, but it really kickstarted my love and appreciation for radio. And these made the point, the, the means of distributions have changed. Yes, we're, we're digital distribution, other forms of distribution, but the need and the value and the power of radio remains undiminished. Um, so, you know, just like both you, Carol, and Muter, as an owner of, of, of media, to talk about the future of radio. Well, I hope radio continues to have a, a bright future. I don't know how this new thing called AI will play into it with personalities, because, see, when I started in radio, we didn't have computers and digital streams. None of that was there. It was really you being reflective of the community or you can't mirror who your audience is. So that gave us more of a, a hands-on, feet-on-the-ground type of approach. I'm still learning to navigate this, uh, as you could tell by the Zoom call, this uh, <laughs> technological stuff. But I'm hopeful that Black people in particular will retain their voice because if we don't speak for ourselves, no one else is going to tell our stories correctly. Muter? Well, certainly, given how uh, radio has changed, the opportunities, uh, uh, you only have a handful of owners anymore. And uh, because of the expense and large group ownerships, being able to acquire an existing station is probably almost impossible unless you're really combining your, your forces. So you may be a minority owner in a large group, but I'd say it's, it's important that you that you dive in hands-on, learn as much as you can. Don't get hung up on the title without understanding the craft. And I think that that happens so, so very, very often. And still today, um, as, as technology has changed and there are new ways of doing it, traditional radio may not be the same, but it's still important to tell the story, to take the time, to do the homework, to, to do your research, to involve others. Because if we don't tell our stories, it won't get told. And as we're losing uh, people day in and day out, uh, if they are not, which is another kudos to Felicia for doing this, is that if you don't tell the stories now, uh, they will be lost. And then they become he said, she said, as opposed to a direct uh, voice where you can set the record straight. So uh, I, all I do is in terms of encouraging do any way that you can to um, to be independent with it, but tell the news and be true to the audience that you want to serve. You know, you talked about Black Enterprise. Um, I was so honored when I met Earl decades ago and that I was in, if you go back in one of your, your um, in your uh, archives, you're going to find that I was included in you know, 30 under 30, you know, in, in, in broadcasts. And that gave me an additional um, uh, eyesight. I, I mean, for people knowing my story, because I'm just in a medium side town in North Carolina, didn't, certainly did not go into it expecting to be perceived and learned uh, across the country. When a girlfriend of mine in Chicago says I was coming back into the country and there was in Jet, 
Muter Evans's volatilization. I'm going, what? I wasn't prepared for all of that, but it was then overwhelming. And I think it's important that we share with our, um, no matter what the age is, do your homework, do your craft, learn how to improve on it, but never stop being true to yourself and true to whatever your passion is. And, uh, and media is important, be it radio, television, all the different other ways in which people are doing the podcast, do what you do because sharing the news is important in terms of motivating yet future generations. If, if I may add to that, I am an educator as well. I taught at Spelman College and I'm currently teaching audio video at the Art Institute of Atlanta. And what I would say is that the way we are educating students, we need to revisit because it's not the same trajectory that it was when I was in school, but that's literally the way we're going about it. Um, the only thing is students now know that I can become rich on social media, but they want a get rich quick, you know, um, um, pathway. And then there's also this blurred lines with regard to self and community and mm. self-confidence to bring that forth, which is a little scary, right? Because if we have to teach that now, um, where will we be if there are not enough educators and mentors and shows like this to help educate people and, and help them become stronger within who they are? You know, that, that could be another topic for a whole nother show. Maybe we have to come back and do it because the, the whole challenges of how stories are told, um, whether you're talking about social media and how and who gets to tell the stories, how the stories are being told, even what qualifies as journalism. Um, you know, we're, we're wrestling, we're wrestling with that. And you could say it doesn't matter, but we know for our communities, it matters tremendously because of the way storytelling impacts our community, uh, impacts what we think of ourselves, what other people think of us and what we're able to do um, in, in the larger scheme of things. Muter, it seemed like you wanted to add something to that? Yeah, and, and young people need to seize the opportunity to take advantage of internships, wherever they are. Learn whatever the craft is on somebody else's dime. So that when you invest your own dime, you'll be a lot more successful because you've made some mistakes, but you've learned from people who know more. And uh, and and that's important. You know, Felicia talked about I taught at Winston-Salem State also for 10 years. You know, I had students of mine who came and did internships with me. So, it, you know, you don't just jump into it. It happens every once in a while. But take the time to do your homework, do your research everything that's been talked about here today, dig deeper. We've got to get out of just doing sound bites and the quick texts. We got to dig deeper so that we learn the history and understand what people went through because it also motivates you that you don't quit because you don't get that first job and it's not where you want to be or in the marketing which you want to be. You keep going so that you can continue to improve on yourself. And people are watching even when you don't realize that they are. And Thank somebody you so much. is going to help you seize that opportunity. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, my goodness. What a show. And we told you all it was going to be good. We told you all we were going to be talking about who is preserving our his history. And here's the deal, Alfred. Not only are Black women saving our country because we've done it before, okay? We're also preserving history. Um, indicative of our guests today. So I am so full 
And actually, no, not just full, Alfred. I'm encouraged to know that, you know what it is? It's just that people just come to the show with either amazing products, services, stories, journeys, and solutions for our community. That's what I'm encouraged about. Well, I'm excited because also, since this is a radio show, we had four really wonderful radio professionals and entrepreneurs. And the fact that we got all that goodness in the same amount of time with four guests, the biggest line we ever had is just testament to just how brilliant and how gifted these ladies are. And so, so we are just so glad that we were able to showcase them, showcase the history that they're preserving. And uh, listen, you just heard another great edition of Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You want to check this episode or all episodes out at BeLiftedUpRadio.com and follow us on socials at BeLiftedUpRadio. That's the letter B, Lifted Up Radio. And you get all of this goodness and more. D, another great show. Thank you, Muter Evans, Jackie Gales Webb, Felicia Love, and Carol Carper. All right. Until next time, it's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life.